Today is a special day, and I'm, I'm glad you guys are here today. Uh, if you're here for the very first time, thank you for coming. But today is also a very special day because we're honoring our veterans. How many of you are, are veterans in the room? Um, are you veterans in the room? I'm, I'm grateful. Yeah, hold your applause because I, I want to tell you what it is. In, in 1918, after World War I, many of you may not know this because you, you may not have studied it. You just may be looking for a day off tomorrow, which is fine. Um, <laughs> it's, it's great. That's one of the many perks that uh, we celebrate this. But there, there, there was a ceasefire, and after World War I, many countries began to honor their veterans in different ways. And, and the reason why we celebrated on November 11th was because it was the 11th month, it was the 11th day, and it was the 11th hour that it happened. And so November 11th became known as Armistice Day, and they later changed it to Veterans Day to honor veterans. And all over the, all over the world, there's different countries today that are honoring their veterans in different ways. And so we honor our veterans in the U.S. It actually didn't become a national holiday uh, until later on, I think in the 1930s, um, but we, we honor our veterans. So all over the country today, we're actually honoring, honoring veterans. All over the country and all kinds of other countries are doing that. So I just want to say it's, it's an honor to have in our house today our retired military, our honorably discharged and released military, and our active duty military, especially the ones that are serving right here in our hometown of Goldsboro, North Carolina at Seymour Johnson Air Force Base. They come from all over, but they're here serving. Can we just give an, an honoring a round of applause to our veterans? Thank you. And the, the fact is, is that you've, you've sacrificed. You've done so much. The fact is that there are thousands upon thousands of other people who have sacrificed before you, and, and we want to live gratefully. And can I just say that there's, there's a lot that we really don't get when it comes to our servicemen and servicewomen who put their lives on the line, not just for what they go through while they're away, but what they go through while they're here. Because that's ultimately what the, what the military is for, is to protect us and be ready for war. That, that's really what it is. Um, we, we have no idea what, what families go through. And so I think it's appropriate that we are kind of winding up our, our grateful series on Veterans Day. And so today we're going to be talking about some of the freedoms that we have because of our vets, because of the men and women who died for us. Not just um, that, but the fact that Jesus died for, the, for our freedoms. And then thousands of men and women have continued that on and died for it as well um, to kind of preserve that. So we're, we're grateful for that. Um, but I, I want you to think for just a minute about what it takes to give that way. I want you to try to really imagine what it takes to give that way, what, what it is that people have to go through in order to, uh, in order to sacrifice. And see, we think, well, they serve, or well, you know, they're away from their families. But do you really understand, and I'm asking this kind of uh, facetiously because we can't, do we really get the little nuances of what they go through? The, the thoughts that, that go through their minds. Some, some people um, gave their, their mental wellness away. They didn't mean to, but they came back changed. Other people, um, they, they, they risked their very lives, and, and they had a conversation with their spouse or with their kids in some way, and the, the conversations vary, and, and the ways that it happens, um, that, that says in some way, I, I might not be coming home. And some people actually gave the ultimate sacrifice and gave their lives, and now... Now their families today make a sacrifice every single day. These men and women loved their families so much. They loved 
their country so much. They love freedom so much. They love something so much that they, they gave themselves for it. And, and I just got to ask the question, where do we as human beings get the capability to even begin to sacrifice in that way? Can I say it doesn't come from us? <laughs> because we're, in, we're inherently and innately selfish. That when, when we are born, we, we have selfishness in us. Where, where does the, the capability, the characteristic come from to give your absolute all for somebody else? Well, the Bible says that somebody did it first, and that was God whenever he gave his son. The Bible says that he loved us so very much that he gave his all. And that when we believe in him, believe in Jesus Christ, that he is who he said he was, and he did sacrifice for us, that we can be set free. And we, we think it was kind of nothing for him to do that. I don't know if you've ever been tempted with, with that notion that somehow he's God, and so it didn't affect him like it would us because we're human and God doesn't hurt. Let me tell you, God gave everything. Jesus gave everything. It cost him everything, and he did it, and he felt every single bit of it. Our, our freedom here in America has been gained because of the sacrifice for others, and our spiritual freedom has been gained because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. And, and we can take those freedoms and we can do lots of things with them. I'm so glad for the freedoms that I have as an American to, to do certain things, to do a lot of things. And I'm so glad for the freedom that I have in Christ to live this life in the blessing of God and in connection with God. I, I mean, just think of this, if anything else. I can pray right now, and when we pray, when you pray, wherever we are, God hears our prayers and accepts them because of the worthiness of Jesus Christ resting on us, because of our belief in him and our faith in him. That's amazing that the God of the universe hears us just like that. that that's a freedom that you have in Christ Jesus. So many others, um, and, and we can do lots with that. We, we can do lots with our freedoms. Uh, do you know one of the worst things that we can do with our freedoms? Is waste them, is squander them. To take something so precious and so valuable that somebody else has died for and to absolutely do nothing with it, to live as if you don't have it. There was a, a story in 2006 about two American journalists who were working for a news organization, and they were kidnapped, um, found out it was by the, the jihad. And 10 days go by, nobody hears from them, nobody knows what happens. Finally, it surfaces, there's a, a list of demands that were giving, given, and, and three days later, there was a, a video release saying that uh, the men had converted to Islam, and then they were released. And once they were back to safety, they began to realize very quickly, everybody, that, that they only did that because they were at gunpoint. Um, but once they were back in safety, one of them said this. He said, I feel more alive right now than I have in my entire life. And I'm thinking, man, these, these guys lived in America. And they were free their, their entire lives. But now he's saying he feels more alive than he ever has. What's up with that? What? Why is it that he lived free his entire life, but it was only when he came back from slavery and it got taken away from him, you know? And all of a sudden now he feels more alive than he ever has. Can I just say something that, that won't make you cheer? <laughs> that probably is like, whoa, it's kind of like a step kind of in the, in, on, onto your toes. Because that we're free every day, freedom may not be something that you even think about being grateful for on a regular basis. How many of you have running water in your house? Should be pretty much everybody. Do you thank God for your running water every day? Hands are down. But let that water go out during a hurricane. <laughs> 
And when you turn it back on, thank you, Jesus, for this running water. Thank you, God. The electricity is the same way, right? The power goes out, and you still walk in the bathroom on day three, and you're still flipping light switches, right? It's horrible. You're like, oh, I wish I had power back. But when the power comes back on, what are you saying? Thank you, God, for the power that I have. We can live free our entire lives, but somehow we, 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 we're capable of, of not really grasping it until it's taken away from us. We live, and it's hard to understand this, but, but being freed is more exhilarating than a lifetime of being free. So what do we have to do? We've got to remember that we're free. We have to remember why we're free and not waste it. We actually have to do something with it. One of the worst things we could ever do is take the freedoms that we have as Americans and the freedoms that we have in Jesus Christ and waste them, live our lives as if we don't have them. And so I want to do two things today. I want to talk about three specific freedoms that Jesus gave his life for and, and thousands of other people have done since then to preserve them. And then I want to challenge us to honor the sacrifice of those who have gone before us by not wasting them, by not wasting the freedoms that we have. So can we do that? Three freedoms. I'm just going to jump in real quick here. Uh, first one is I'm, I'm grateful for the freedom of speech. Anybody grateful for that? Do, do, do you, are, are you ungrateful for somebody else's freedom of speech? You ever been there? <laughs> you know, maybe on the way here, I don't know. But as Americans, we have this freedom of speech and we hold to it. It's a fundamental freedom that we have. Uh, it's a freedom that most citizens of the world envy. Uh, in fact, just a month ago, a Saudi journalist was, was killed for speaking out against the government. We don't have that problem here. Uh, all you have to do is go to Facebook and see lots of Americans just posting crazy political <laughs> expressions and nobody's going to jail over it. In fact, they're, they're not even getting a, a heavily written letter, nothing. In fact, all they get is a bunch of other people that have the same freedom to, to speak uh, arguing with them. <laughs> That's all they have. So we have the freedom to express ourselves. So, so let, me, let me get practical with you for a minute here because I, I want to take this freedom and kind of, kind of say it in a different way that is practical to you and I. Why is it that we have no problem expressing our freedoms about other people and their decisions, but we have a really hard time sometimes expressing what we really want and what we really need? Let me, let me, let me say it like this. Have you ever said yes to something and then walked away and go, why didn't I say no? <laughs> why, why do we have a problem not expressing what, what we, we really need. Um, how about the freedom that you have in this to, to, to make your words match what you really mean? Because I think on some level, we always say things that aren't in line with our desires. We have the freedom to say what we mean, but far too often there are things that we shouldn't say and we say them. We, we do. And I just don't want to preach today about the political freedom you have to express yourself peaceably to the government. I'm, I want to talk to you about your freedom to speak to people so that you can have peace. And I think to do that, we, we have to understand what the Bible says. And in Proverbs 17, 27, here's a bit of wisdom here. It says, the one who has knowledge uses his words with restraint. And you know what that means? That means we think really long and hard about what we say before we say it. We think really hard about what we're going to say before we say it. Do, do you know somebody who says yes to things when they should say no? Maybe, maybe it's you. And you might be wondering what in the world this has to do with, with the freedom of speech. But I say it has a lot to do with it because when you overcommit yourself by saying yes to things you should say no for, you're actually doing the opposite of freedom. You're enslaving yourself to other people's agenda at the expense of yourself, yourself and your family. Is that practical? 
Always running around, always going crazy, schedule always jam-packed, trying to catch up but can't. Maybe even apologizing to people because, you know what, I can't follow through with the thing that I said I was going to follow through with because I've just said yes to too many things. Uh, when, when, when we do this, we're actually squandering the freedoms that we have. We're squandering the freedom to say what we mean and mean what we say. Can I just share with you a one-word remedy for this? No. <laughs> That's what it is. No. No, I can't do that. You don't have to be rude, right? But, but you have to say no to some things. And I've, you can practice this in your head. I kind of put a, a couple of phrases together for you. Um, and you, you probably don't want to say this out loud to people, but you can kind of practice this in your head so that when the time comes, you can say it with gusto. Um, so someone says, you know, you know, hey, hey, will you commit to... No. <laughs> you just know. I'm, I'm not going to do that. Hey, will you take Saturday and no? Just kind of in, in your brain, already kind of know. Um, then you can have some fun with it. Hey, do you, eeny, meeny, miny, no. <laughs> hey, we, 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 I, I really need you to, hey, Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pillow. No. <laughs> I love this one. I call this the Jack in the Box no. You know, when somebody says, hey, you know, I, I need you to, and you just kind of dun da dun da 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 dun da dun da 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 dun dun da dun da 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 dun No. dun da da we need to learn to say no to some things and not say yes to everything. Why? Because sometimes we have, we, we have this propensity to say things that we don't mean and we walk away regretting it. You have the freedom of speech. You, have the, you know what that means? It means you have the freedom to say what you mean and mean what you say. Not just about political expressions, not just about other people's things but, uh, and, and problems and issues, but you have the freedom to be able to politely and, and, and meaningfully tell people what you mean. And some of you struggle with that. Some of you say yes to everything. Some, some of you, you, you walk away and, you know, you, you should have said something, but you didn't because you were scared. You, you got to open your mouth and say what you mean and mean what you say. The Bible talks about speaking truth in love and how truth is, without love is not even a virtue worth having because you have to do it in love. But you got to mean what you say. So sometimes there's things we shouldn't say, but we do. And there's sometimes we have things that we should say, but we don't. And we have a problem with this. How about this? Sometimes you just can't say, I need help. That we should say it, but, but we don't. We have a problem saying, I need help. We have no problem saying he needs help <laughs> or, or she needs help. But when it comes to saying, I need help with this, or, you know, here, here, here's one. How about, I need you to follow through with what you said you were going to do and help me. Because if we say that, we're going to be guilty. We're going to feel guilty. We feel insecure to say that to somebody. But what happens is, is when we, we let that guilt and insecurity take over, it, it blocks our words. It blocks our words. So we end up doing it ourselves. And you know what? That's the opposite of freedom. That's slavery. We're, we're a slave to our own fear to say, I need help. How about this one? We, we should say it and, and we don't. I don't know. I don't know. Some of us are scared to not have the answer. And so what happens is, is we, we don't step up and do things we could because we're scared. Somebody might ask a question and we don't know the answer to it. I don't know. Or maybe worse, we step up and we fake it. <laughs> and that's a whole world of, of problem. How about this one? I was wrong. The, the freedom to be able to really be real with yourself and give yourself that gift of this self-awareness and look at somebody in the face and admit, I, I was wrong. It's one of the hardest things to do, but if I'm being honest with you, it's one of the most powerful and restoring phrases there is whenever you do it with sincerity. You have this freedom 
to speak. You have this freedom to use your words to actually match the desired outcome that you have in your heart. So don't squander that. Don't, don't waste it. Jesus said, you don't have to overemphasize your commitment or shy away from things in your heart. In fact, I love what Paul says in Ephesians 4.29 when he says, don't use foul or abusive language, but let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. You know who else has ears to hear and hears your words? You. You do. And there's something interesting about when those words come out of your mouth and they fall on to your ears, they, they mean something different. So let your words be an encouragement to everybody to build people up, but let your words also that come out of your mouth, let them be something you mean so that when they fall on your own ears, there's peace there and there's freedom there. And you can walk away from every conversation knowing that I, I said the truth, I said what I really meant. I did it in love. Don't squander your freedom to speak. Say what you mean and let it bring life to everyone who hears, including you. I'm grateful for the freedom of speech. I'm also grateful, number two, say number two. I'm grateful for the freedom of choice. I am so glad that our founding fathers wrote that, that every single person is equal and we have this right given to us by our creator, God, to pursue our own choices. I'm, I'm so grateful for many people who have, who have served to help keep that freedom alive. You have this beautiful opportunity to pursue whatever you want. Whatever it is that you want to pursue, you can do it. It's one of the symbols of our great nation. And, and I know that we all come from different backgrounds, and some people have a greater advantage in society than others. But the fact remains this. Our society itself does nothing to stop you from pursuing. There may be some obstacles, and we start at different places, uh, but we can all pursue. You know? and, but you have to understand, we have limits. Um, you can look at me and know that I'll probably never be an NBA star. I said probably because there's a chance, right? <laughs> so keep some of the dream alive. No, there's, I can't jump, you know, probably a million other reasons why I can't be an NBA star. But nothing is stopping me from pursuing that. If I wanted to give my life to pursuing it and I wanted to, to try, I, I could do that. It would be foolish of me because I have limits, right? And so do you. But the fact is, is that we have choice in life to do whatever it is that we want to do. Well, Jesus died for that freedom ultimately. Thousands of people have died for you to do it right here in America. Uh, but the fact is, is that whatever you choose, although you're free to choose it, you don't have the freedom to choose the consequences. We, we, we choose all kinds of things in life, but we don't have the freedom to choose the consequences that come after it. You, if you want to ride down Highway 70 and go 90 miles an hour, guess what? No one's stopping you. You might have a, a somebody in the passenger seat trying <laughs> desperately, but you can do it. But guess what? If you get caught, you don't get to choose the consequences after that. If, if you want to leave your spouse and have an affair, guess what? Unfortunately, you have the choice and the freedom to be able to do that, but you don't have the choice to choose the fallout of the family and the consequences that come with it. You don't have that choice. Every single free choice has a consequence. And did you know that that's where regret comes from? People making a free choice but having to deal with the fallout of it? But I want to tell you this too. It's also where joy comes from. Making a free choice and walking away knowing that you are in the will of God and you did the right thing. That's, what, that's called freedom of choice and, and being able to deal with the, con, the good consequences that come from doing the right thing. And so you have to ask yourself regularly, what am I doing with my freedom of choice? Am I spending it? What, what am I giving my life to? Am I spending it on things that eternally matter? Are, are they things that are urgent for me? 
Or are they things that are really important? And we have to weigh those things in our mind. Can I just say that, that the, ultimately the, the very best choices that you can make when it comes to taking that freedom that you have to choose is, is giving your life to God and making choices that are in the vein of his will for you? Can, can I just say that? Why? Here's why. Because he knew you before you were born. He knows what's best for you and he loves you. Psalm 139, listen, says this. says, you watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. Nothing more secluded than a womb, right? As I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Listen, he loves you and he's known you since the beginning. He has this, 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 this plan for you to be a certain thing for him and have purpose in life for him. The very best choices that you can make when it comes to having this freedom to choose is choosing and making choices that are in the vein of God's will. And I think when, when I say that sometimes, it's like, well, why, don't, why doesn't God just, just, just move me like a chess piece? You know, that way I don't have to think about it. Because when we think about God's will and, and what it is that we have to choose in life, isn't it a, mis a mystery sometimes as a human being to sit there and try to figure that out? Yeah, welcome to the human race. It's like this God Almighty, my ways aren't his ways. I can't imagine what he is or how he chooses, how he chooses for me. I don't, I don't know. And so sometimes we think if we're going to make choices in the will of God, then it's just some tightrope that we have to walk and, and we have to make exactly the right choice for every little thing. And if we make the wrong choice and somehow, well, somehow we're going to fall off. Can I just say this? When you give your life to God and your heart is bent towards him, you're going to make choices that are in his will. You know, I, I just got to say this, and I, I, God has this will for you, and I believe it has parameters, and that you get to choose some things. He doesn't, he doesn't choose for you. That's why I, I, I love the verse in, in Psalms where it says that God blessed what David put his hand to. I believe it was in Psalms. I know it was in the Old Testament. In other words, he chose, and God blessed it because his choice was aimed at God. And sometimes those choices are, are good choices, and sometimes it's not the best choice, and we have to deal with the fallout of it sometimes. It affects other people. But those are the decisions that we learn from. But God cares about this when, as you're choosing. He cares that your heart is aimed to him. I make choices sometimes that, that are, are, you know, at hindsight, they look really stupid. And I'm like, man, I wish I had that to do over again. But at the time, I was, I was doing my very best to, to invite God into it and to, to make a decision. God didn't let me fall because I messed up. In fact, if he did anything, he took that, that seeming failure and he made me better because of it. You don't have to walk this tightrope. Every choice I have to make has to be perfect because God is watching and I want God to make every choice. You know what happens when we do that? We, we pull back and we don't move at all. But when we can say, you know what, God, I, I, I want your, your plan for me. And I'm going to choose this. And if it's not right, stop me. But my heart is aimed at you. Sometimes we make great choices when it comes to God's will. And sometimes in the vein of God's will, we, we make choices that aren't so good. And it, 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 we learn from it. And that's why I love that God is good and he's still able to come through. And in Romans 8, 28, it says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for good those that love God and are called according to his purpose for them because he, he knew his people in advance and he chose them to be like his son. And so when I am making choices in life and my ultimate goal is to be like Jesus, I want to be like him. I want to take on the characteristics of God. Then you know what? God's going to use every choice I make and make me better. 
aim your heart at him. I'm grateful for a God who takes my choices and everything that affects me and he weaves them together for my good. So the very best choices that you can make are choices to aim yourself at God and include him in it. And that brings us to our last freedom I want to remind you of. And that's this. I'm, I'm grateful for the freedom to worship. That, that, that's a freedom we have. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. Sometimes we forget how easy it is to read our Bibles in this great country and not have to worry about being persecuted or to say out loud that, you know what, I follow Jesus. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christ follower. Or maybe just to sit at a restaurant and pray and, and physically be seen doing that. Uh, we don't think twice about it. Why? Because it's a freedom that we have. And I, I, not everybody has that freedom. There was an article last month that was talking about the Chinese Communist Party that said they're officially atheist. And everybody in that party had to change immediately because they said that, that if you uh, are a part of this party, if you're affiliated with it, then you can no longer hold any religious beliefs or be uh, a part of any religious organization. Well, that's just great, right? 90 million people are affiliated with this party. And if, if you're affiliated with any other religious organization or, or you have religious beliefs, the, the result is, is that you're expelled from it. They make one decision and 90 million people in that country are affected by it. Aren't you grateful for the freedom to be in a country where we can worship God the way we want and not be affected by what anybody else says, government or not? That, that's a freedom that you have. Now, how, how, the, the best thing you can do, let me warn you, is to not waste that freedom, is to actually worship God in the way that God asks us to and to worship God in full the way that freedom gives us access to. And don't waste it. How, how do we do that? Well, the, the way you worship is simply this. You aim yourself at being who God wants you to be. Can I just burst a bubble? Worship is not coming here. It's one of the ways we worship. Worship is not just about singing songs. It's not the music portion of a church service. Worship is your life that is aimed at God. And when you come in here and when we're together and when we, we sing songs of worship, you know what that is? That's an overflow of what our lives should be doing already. Is we're worshipers because we have given ourselves to God and we, we are saying, God, make me who you want me to be. There's a biblical definition of what this worship is, and it's found in Romans 12. Verse 1, it says this. Paul was talking to the church. He said, I, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. And, and I love how he says, give yourselves fully to God. And then he doesn't stop there, but he gives, yourself, gives us something to, to kind of look at as a reason why. He says, because he's given all of himself for you. And, and when we begin to understand that God gave us his very all, He's saying when we begin to, to really contemplate that and put, take that in, then that gives us every reason to give ourselves fully to him. And then he says, let yourself be a living and holy sacrifice. Let your entire body be a living and holy sacrifice. So that's kind that he's going to see as acceptable. If you've ever wondered what kind of worship God accepts, that's it. Is, is giving your life to him fully given your entire self. He said, this is your spiritual and your reasonable way to worship him. And then he tells us why. He said this, he said, or how. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. 
In other words, don't go out and, and get everybody else's opinion and society about, about how to go about worshiping God. Because if you do that, then we're going we're gonna to label worship as simply what we're doing here. I had a great time of worship today. I, we, we, worship was good at church service today. Well, is that really what worship is? No, that's just one of the many ways that we are an overflow of a life that worships. He says, don't, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. He said, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. He said, then you'll know what God's will is for you, which is good and which is pleasing. I, I, I love this. He said, don't, don't, don't give half of yourself and call it worship. You can't do that. He says, you got to give your whole self. And then he says, this is your spiritual act of worship. And not just that. He says, but it's also reasonable. It's your reasonable act of worship. Why is it reasonable? Well, it's reasonable when we compare who it is we're worshiping because he's worthy of worship. The reason why giving your entire self to him is reasonable is because he's worthy of it. Listen to what Hebrews 1 says about Jesus. He says, now in these final days, he, Jesus, has spoken to us, or God, has spoken to us through his son, which is Jesus. He says, God promised everything to the son as, 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 as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. Just let that sink into you for a minute. Through Jesus, because of Jesus, by him, for him, through him, he created the entire universe. Just Take a breath and think about that. All right, keep going. Sun, the sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. And when he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down at the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. When was the last time anybody wrote something like that about you? <laughs> I think about that, and I'm like, yeah, when it comes time to worship God and give Him my whole life, that seems reasonable <laughs> for a God like that. That's reasonable. If, if you want to be grateful for your freedom to worship, then worship God the way He designed you to and give Him your life. If you don't want to waste the freedom that you have to worship, then worship the way God wants us to. That's acceptable to Him. That's reasonable to Him. It's reasonable to you. Give Him your all. You know what I've realized? Because the last part of, of, of verse 2 of Romans 12 says, says, when you give God yourself and he transforms the way you think, changes you, he said, then you'll be able to test and approve. You'll be able to know what God's will is for your life. And what I've realized about people is that everybody wants to know what God's plan is for them. Would you, would you agree with that? I mean, don't you want to know? But we look at it like, well, it'll be an option if I find out. Everybody wants to, to know God's plan for their life, but everybody wants to do that before they actually give God their life. And he said, when I transform the way you think, then you'll be able to know. And we, we, we stand here and we're, we're like, you know what, I don't, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> I, I would rather know what God's plan is for my life and then, then choose whether I want, whether or not I want to do that. I heard somebody say the, the biggest reason that we fear letting God change us, and this is what he said. He says, because the person God wants me to be is a stranger to me. I don't know that person yet. God's, he's going to change me. He's going to transform me. And I don't know what that person's going to look like. They're a stranger to me. And, and they're a stranger to my friends. And my friends probably won't like me anymore if I change into whatever it is that God wants me to be. That person's a stranger. Isn't that interesting? It's a, it's a, it's a great way to put that because we, we run from strangers. We don't want to be around strangers very long, well, a little bit. But that person that God wants me to be is a stranger to who I am today. 
But what I found interesting is that the people who, who don't wait for God to, to show them something, because he's not, until you actually walk in faith and actually let God change you, the, the people that I've, I've watched do this, and, and even me doing this through the years, you get here and watch God change you, and then the person I used to be becomes the stranger. And, and they say, I don't want to go back to the way I was. I know God more now. I, I sense his love in my life more now. I have more purpose now than I ever have in my entire life. And I look back and I don't regret any of it. It was painful to get here. It was joyful to get here. There were all kinds of up and downs because change hurts. It stretches us. But man, I look back and I am not the same person I was. Is there anybody in the room that can look back and go, I'm not that person anymore. And I do not want to go back to that person that, that I, I used to be. Now, maybe you're on the fringes today and maybe you're kind of still here and, and you're kind of living for yourself and, and you're just trying to find out about God. And God is saying to you today in this verse, he's saying, I want to transform the way you think. And that's when you're going to find out what my will is for your life. When, 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 when you let me change you, you're incapable of doing it yourself. But just as Paul said, I, I'm pleading with you, you got to give yourself fully to him. That is a reasonable and acceptable act of worship. And when you do, watch God change you. And something will happen, and you'll begin to realize exactly what God's plan is for your life. It's a scary thing to do as a human being. And as long as we're breathing air on here, on this earth, it's always going to take faith. It always will. And, and maybe you're here, and, and you, you kind of know what God's plan is for your life, and you're trying to pursue it. Let me, just, let me just turn on another light bulb for you and for me today. God's going to ask you to change again. And it's going to take the same amount of faith. You want to know why? Because he's always going to be growing you and challenging you and shaping you while you're here on this earth because you're not perfect yet. And he wants to use you in greater capacities. It doesn't matter where you are on this, this timeline of your walk with him. He's always going to want to be moving you and changing you, transforming you into the very image of his son. And one day it's going to be perfected when, when you cross that line into eternity. And you're going to stand there face to face knowing that I'm, I'm only here because of what Christ did for me. And everything that happened while I was on that planet Earth, as, I, as you shaped me, everything that you allowed to happen to me to make me who I was there to reach people, it was worth it. You're not going to be able to see that right here. You have to believe that in faith. And that's why there's always an element of faith to serving God. That's why you're considered faithful whenever you, you walk with him. Full of faith, not full of answers, <laughs> full of faith. I'm full of, I don't have the answers. I'm full of, I always have questions. I'm, I'm full of, God, please help me. I'm full of, I don't know where I'm walking sometimes. I'm full of joy unspeakable and full of glory. I'm, I'm, I'm full of anxiety sometimes, and then I, I learn to cast it away by prayer and petition and thanksgiving. Um, then I'm full of the peace of God that transcends all understanding, that guards my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. I, I'm always walking. I'm always continuing to move forward in Him. But it's not until you give Him your whole self and let God transform the way you think that you're actually able to know what his will is for you. And that last part of that verse says his good will, his pleasing will, and his perfect will. But you know what we can bank on? You can trust God. God is who he says he was. He, he never changes. He cares more about you than your friends do. He cares more about you than your mama does. And get this, he cares more about you than you do. That's hard to believe, but he does. So to truly value our freedom to worship, we have to ask ourselves, God, what do you want me to be? What do you want me to be?
We should never think about squandering our freedom. We should think about just as Americans, we should never waste the freedoms that so many people have died to give us. That just seems like a, a travesty. We, 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 people fight and die to give us the freedoms that we have today. We would never think about wasting them. Well, I want to tell you that they modeled what they do, the very characteristic that they have to give of themselves for people that they don't even, even know was a characteristic that, that first resided in God himself when he gave his all for people he did know. And he sent his own son to die. In fact, Romans 5, verse 7 and 8 says this, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though someone might die for a good person, they might dare to die for that person. It says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. We weren't good or righteous while we were still sinners. That's when Christ died for us. You don't have to sacrifice for your own sins today to worship God. But you know what you have to do? You have to surrender yourself to the one that did and give yourself wholly to him. And no matter where you are on this journey, I wonder if today you'd be willing, not just to honor our vets, and we're gonna, we give them honor because it's, we give honor because they're due it, but I wonder if we'd be willing to honor the one that sacrificed himself for you and say, God, I wanna live another day for you. Show me what I can do. I give you myself wholly today again. Would you be willing to do that? If you would, I wonder if you'd just stand to your feet while we, while we say this closing prayer together. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for, for having us here together today. I, I'm always... I'm always stunned as I read your word. I always get to the place where, where I can't do anymore and I'm not good enough. And then I see where, once again, where you came through for me. And, and I read the words on the page and sometimes I just don't get it. I just, it kind of goes over my head because I feel like sometimes I've read it so much. But then I, I walk in this life and troubles hit. And, and I realize that I literally am not good enough to face this. I, I'm not good enough to overcome it. I, I have nothing inside of me. And that's when it becomes a reality of what you did for me, that I can pray to you, that I can give you myself wholly once again. And I don't know how you do it, but you transform the way I think so that I know which way to go. Like your word says in Isaiah, you, you're behind me saying, this is the way, walk in it. And it doesn't make sense to my human self, but I trust you and I do it. And I, I'm blown away. So many people in this room have done the same thing. And we're just, we're, we're blown away at how you come through. I thank you for that. I thank you for the sacrifice that you made to give us access to God the Father. Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that you guide us while we're still on this planet. I'm thankful for that. So today we say, we give you our all once again, today. There might be areas in your life today that you know you need to give to God. You, you know you do. We, we read that scripture that our reasonable act of worship is to give them our whole selves, but there's that place somewhere tucked away that maybe only you know that you haven't given that to God. You're still reserving for yourself the right to control it, the right to choose. And it may even seem like a godly principle. This is a, a, maybe even a, a biblical principle that I'm holding on to this with. But if you're really honest with yourself, there's something tied to it that's selfish. There's something tied to it that's innately you. 
And I wonder if you'd be willing right now just to say, God, have that place in my heart. And and it's scary because you don't know what God may ask you to do or what he's going to do with it. But the word of God says you can trust him because his will is good and his will is pleasing and his will is perfect. And I just wonder if you'd be willing to say, God, take this place in my heart right now, just where you are. He hears you. He's celebrating at the fact that you're giving him that right now. I can't tell you the joy that's going to come. It may not come right away, but I promise you, if you stick this out with him, you will find more freedom than you've ever had in your entire life. Maybe some of you are in the room today or, or listening to my voice, maybe on, on a podcast or, or on the internet somewhere, and, and you, you're far away from God. Maybe your life isn't necessarily bad compared to what we would think of as bad, but you, you don't serve God. He's not the Lord of your life. And I wonder right now, you're not listening to me right now by, by chance. God has you here right now to say, I want you and I love you. And your life will have purpose in me, not just here, but in eternity. Choose me today. I wonder if you'd be bold enough to say this prayer with me. God, I need you and I accept you. I believe with my whole heart right now that you died for me. I, I, I believe it. I believe you are who you said you were. And I want to repent. Repenting just means I want to turn. Turn from what I'm doing and I want to follow you. And I I trust the fact that you're going to help me. But I believe you died for me. I believe you rose to life. And I believe you're in heaven right now. Because the Bible says it. So I just, I want to to figure this out. I, I don't want to do it holding on to control. I want to do it completely trusting you. Lowering myself and trusting you. It's scary. We all get it. I'm, I'm scared even as your pastor sometimes making decisions that I know God wants me to do. It's scary. But there is a peace way down deep inside of me that knows that I'm doing the right thing. And God, I trust you. So I, I aim myself at you. And I make that decision wholeheartedly today. Thank you for allowing me the opportunity to serve you. And I know one day, I'm going to leave this planet. It may be sooner rather than later. I don't know. But I know one thing. By making this choice, I'm also choosing my final home. And that is an eternity in heaven. Where there will be no more tears. There will be no more pain. There will be no more questions. There's just going to be an eternity of joy and peace. With Jesus and with God the Father and with the Holy Spirit forever. Thank you, Jesus, for allowing us the opportunity to be together and pray this prayer and it be heard. It's in his name we pray. Amen.